Good evening, dummies. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. Don't leave. I know I called you dummies. I'll explain why. I just got out of the bitter cold in Leesburg, Virginia. Soon to be Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin was late. Brought the kids and the family. That was a fantastic time. So didn't have a lot of prep for this show tonight. We were going to do it live, but unfortunately... Facebook kicked in with their copyright protection on some of the music they were playing, which I get. I don't, I don't want to make money off of other musicians. So I came back home. It was fun enough. I got to see some things. And I think uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about Mr. Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe tonight. I mean, a lot of people are following this race. This really is the pulse of the nation. And I think it's going to be indicative to what happens in 2022 and 2024 stay tuned tonight it is a fun nod to back to the future episode 250 what did i say that's not the right one 246 there we go folks it's an interesting night let's see if i can keep i'm really late i'm two hours behind i feel like i've been on a jet plane and i have jet lag but we're the show must go on we'll make it happen here we go from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now well thank you thank you thank you everybody once again episode 246 it's good to have you here tonight this late night we have quite a few people live i'm really happy about that once again my name is matthew spear with don't unfriend me it's good to have you here what are the dummies the dummies are the don't unfriend me's it's not an insult hillary clinton called us a basket of deplorables well we're a basket of dummies comes from barstool sports who are the stoolies we're the dummies it's the dums it's an acronym nothing wrong with that and tonight i've also got some good news the new shirt site is up You can get the Let's Go Brandon shirt, the Don't Unfriend Me logo shirts, the 13 stars, and a bunch of other ones. They are doing great, and people are really helping out. So thank you. It was a great launch, and it'll grow from here. So give it a chance. Stop on by. Uh, You can find it at don'tunfriendme.com. Click on Shop, or you can go through Facebook and find it there. Stop by All Made in America veteran-made shirts. All right, that's enough of promoting. Oh, one more thing, damn it. I was kidding. If you wouldn't mind, do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe. That's very, very important. If not, God kills a puppy or Dr. Fauci will, one of the two. Please, if you like the updates, if you like seeing all these wonderful shows, the best way to do that is to follow me and get some mo, mo, mo. Let's get to it. Tonight's topic, 1.21 gigawatts of October surprise. Since 1980, we have all nonchalantly stood by as we waited for trick-or-treat to come, the inevitable dinner with relatives for Thanksgiving, and for old St. Nick to arrive in the December Eve. Why 1980, you say, Matt? Matt, that sounds like every other month and year that I can remember. Well, you would be right, sort of. There's something else that happens during election years, predominantly since 1980, that may have gone unnoticed by the casual observer. The dreaded October surprise. In the 1980 presidential election, Republican challenger Ronald Reagan feared that a last-minute deal to release American hostages held in Iran might earn incumbent Jimmy Carter enough votes to win re-election. 
As it happened in the days prior to the election, press coverage was consumed with the Iranian government's decisions, and Carter's simultaneous announcement that the hostages would not be released until after the election. After the release of hostages on January 20th, 1981, minutes after Reagan's inauguration, some charged that the Reagan campaign had made a secret deal with the Iranian government, whereby the Iranians would hold the hostage until after Reagan was elected and inaugurated. Of course, we would later learn that old Ron Reagan was just a little crazy, and the Shah, Ayatollah, and the clerics of Iran knew this. And the surprise came and went. Two separate congressional investigations looked into the charges, both concluding that there was no plan to seek to delay the hostage release. The damage was already done, and the rest is history. But the October surprises remained. Clinton versus Bush in June 1992, Ronald Reagan's Secretary of Defense, Casper Weinberger, was indicted in the Iran-Contra affair. Though the, the claims to have been opposed to the sale on principle Weinberger was, he did participate in the transfer of United States tow missiles to Iran that were used to stop Saddam Hussein's massive tank army and was later indicted on several felony charges of lying to the Iran-Contra Independent Council during its investigation. Republicans angrily accused Independent Counsel Lawrence E. Walsh of timing Weinberger's indictment to hurt George Bush's re-election chances. Through the campaign, as Weinberger's trial approached, more concrete information on Bush's direct role emerged, including statements by Reagan Middle East specialist Howard Tyker that Bush knew of the arms deal in spring 1986 and an Israeli memo that made it clear that Bush was well-versed in the deal by July 1986. How about Gore versus Bush days before the November 7th election? Thomas J. Conley of Scarborough, Maine, a prominent defense attorney and 1998 Democratic candidate for governor, confirmed to a reporter that Republican presidential candidate George W. Bush had been arrested for drunk driving in that state in 1976. Bush confirmed the reports in a press conference moments after it was revealed. Not that this was unbeknownst to the populace. Bush had a penchant for the nose candy and sauce. But this had little effect on the election. How about John Kerry versus Bush? On October 27th, the New York Times reported the disappearance of a huge cache of explosives from a warehouse in El Kakak. The John Kerry campaign blamed the British administration for this supposed mismanagement. It has been claimed that Saudi Prince Bandar bin Sultan al Saud cut the price of oil, thus reducing gas prices, I wish they would do that now, to help ensure a Bush victory. How about Obama and McCain? On October 31st, 2008, four days before the 2008 presidential election, the Associated Press reported that Zutuni Anyago, half-ant of Democratic candidate Barack Obama, was living as an illegal immigrant in Boston. She had been denied asylum in order to leave the United States in 2004. And some have also uh, described the October 2008 record rise in unemployment as an October surprise as well, since the numbers usually weren't reported until after the election in November. How about Hurricane Sandy? It was labeled an October surprise by some in the media. Republican New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who had been a staunch critic of President Barack Obama, was seen praising the response of the Obama administration. How about Clinton versus Trump? On October 7th, a recording from 2005 was released in which Republican Party nominee Donald Trump, using explicit language, claimed, you can grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. 
But not to be outdone, the Clinton email leaks were dropped on the same day. WikiLeaks began a two-month campaign of releasing emails and excerpts from the account of John Podesta. They would later become known as the Podesta Leaks. They shed a negative light on Democratic Party nominee Hillary Clinton and included recordings of excerpts of speeches given by Clinton to a variety of banks, a debate question being leaked to Clinton prior to the debate, a stance on the trade deals different from those purported by Clinton during her campaign, along with her belief that it is beneficial to hold both public and private beliefs and hot sauce in her purse. I ain't no ways tired. Three weeks later, the investigation was reopened days before the election, as most concede this was the final straw that did Clinton in, and not because of her cackle. And who can forget the Biden and Trump fiasco in 2020? Trump getting COVID along with Barron and Melania was what many say was the final nail in the coffin with the female vote. We heard words of super spreader being tossed around in the ill-advised balcony speech, which has lived in infamy with the matriarch electorate. Quotes around the topic of how can he stand there and be so smug? My father is dying in the hospital without treatment, and he has all of these secret remedies at his disposal. It simply wasn't true, and Donald Trump had been as transparent as possible with a treatment plan, almost to the detriment of his campaign. But the damage was done, and nothing Trump would have said would have appeased everyone anyway. He was in a rock and a hard place, like most politicians. So there you have it, everyone. Oh, I almost forgot. How about 2021? Well, as I stand here tonight in support of Glenn Youngkin and just got back from his rally, his final campaign stop in Leesburg, Virginia, I'm astonished to say Youngkin has not been impacted by an October surprise. Well, he's been impacted positively, but nothing disparaging or controversial except for the leftist desperate attempts to link Youngkin to Donald Trump, which has failed miserably. And for this voter... I'm dumbfounded. It's so refreshing to witness a candidate that is actually as close to the pedestal as one can get, that America places candidates who are as morally challenged as anyone else to be free of the drama. The fact that I can weigh this man based on his platform and record is not only unheard of, but what some might say a unicorn at best. But here we are, hours before the election. No infrastructure miracle is coming. If it does, it's too late. Mario Lopez won't be releasing a secret recording when he was on Save by the Bell when Youngkin guest starred. That never happened. How about secret deals with Barcelona to thwart the Virginia primary? That won't be uncovered. And drunk driving and fleeing charges won't leak out like they did with a torrential douchebag Beto O'Rourke. And I, for one, am relishing in this Mike Brady moment. But wait, will there be a backdoor from Cousin Oliver? the estranged Brady Bunch relative that nobody knew or cared to know anything about, and who knew Carol even had a sister anyway? No, it's his opponent, Terry McAuliffe. Up until mid-October, the vast majority of polls pointed to yet another Democrat victory. But since then, the Republicans have tightened the race, and most commentators are now saying that it's too close to call. Indeed, some are even predicting a Republican win. But Terry McFly wants to head back in his DeLorean to change the date back to September when fairer skies were ahead. But alas, he is screaming, Great Scott! As he has literally been up against the ropes and has hit the mat countless times, only to be picked up by the likes of Barack Biff Obama and even more boring old man Biff from Back to the Future 2. 
Take, for example, the orchestrated stunt last week where five uniformed people stood in front of the Republican battle bus offering their support with tiki torches. Many took this as proof that the Republicans had the support of neo-Nazis. It later turned out, however, that the stunt had been the work of the Lincoln Project, a group of ex-Republicans who hate Donald Trump and are now avid Democrat supporters. Republicans have kept their campaign focused on local state issues, including low taxes and safe communities. Indeed, the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin, has said that his day one plan will put Virginia on a path to having the best jobs, the best schools, and the safest communities in America. The Democrats? They are focusing on lockdown, mask mandates, vaccines, and of course, Donald J. Trump. McAuliffe, knowing it might boost his support in the largely blue state, has invoked the ex-president's name a whole hell of a lot, despite claiming the election is now not about Trump. But recently, the pivot is away from Trump, and McAuliffe is looking like he just got rolled into a truck bed full of manure. Trump aside, what is known in politics as the wedge issue? In the campaign has been education, and the dividing line between the two candidates is the role parents play in the schooling of their children. Indeed, last month, a father was physically dragged out of school board meeting in Loudoun County after announcing that his daughter had been brutally raped at school by a gender-fluid male student in the girls' restroom. The unnamed boy in a skirt has since been found guilty of the assault. McAuliffe's poll ratings have fallen since he made this statement, and Youngkin has seized on what he believes is his opponent's mistake, claiming that McAuliffe wants to silence parents because he doesn't believe they should have a say in their child's education. Another big schooling issue has been the teaching of CRT, which encourages children to view everything through the prism of race and to view all white people as irredeemably racist. And then we have the candidates themselves. McAuliffe, 64, is a politician to his fingertips. He's worked for both Bill and Hillary Clinton. Between 2001 and 2005, he was the chairman of the DNC and served as the governor of Virginia from 14 to 18. And when it comes to education, four out of five of his children attend private school. And for the state of Virginia, who prides itself on its public education, it sends a message that Terry is not only out of touch with the present, but doesn't have much hope of impacting the future. By contrast, Youngkin, 54, is a Richmond-born businessman who rose to be the CEO of the Carlisle Group. Prior to this year, he had played no role in politics, and 10 months ago, only 2% of Virginians had even heard his name. This race is therefore being painted as the ultimate political insider versus the outsider. So what will be the ramifications if Youngkin manages to pull off this unlikely victory? Well, first, right-leaning commentators would claim it sends a clear message to the White House that Americans are sick and tired of identity politics, the woke agenda, CRT being taught in schools, and schoolboys in skirts being allowed to use girls' bathrooms. Secondly, it would be a boost for Republicans in next year's crucial midterm elections, and it would make them confident that they can win control of both the House and the Senate. And if that happens, Biden will be a lame duck president who will struggle even more than he already does to get any bills through either House, Mr. Poopy Pants. His agenda would be almost impossible to achieve, and that would mean ramifications that would reverberate right through to the next presidential race in 2024, the thing I've been saying for a year. 
So tomorrow matters a lot, not only for Biden administration, but for all Americans in the years to come. As we wait for the final hours to tick by on the Hill Valley clock tower, Republicans, moderates, and yes, many Democrats are waiting for lightning to strike. We know that this will help reclaim this once great state and find its roots in the yellow serpent and the famous words of don't tread on me in the Commonwealth. We have a true candidate for the first time in a long time. No longer are the days of unopposed Democrats sweeping the ticket simply because Republicans failed to run. We have a clear choice, and it isn't Mayor Goldie Wilson. It is Glenn Youngkin, and the road looks as clear as a spinning license plate with two parallel fire tracks off flames leading into the night. Because we all need Youngkin to take us back. Back to a time where things made sense. Back when principles stood for something. When morality was a virtue and not a punchline. Dare I say, we need Glenn Youngkin to take us back to the future. Oh, and what about Terry McAuliffe? Maybe he can wax the governor's new car when he takes office sometime in a once possible future. If only the space-time continuum cooperates. Folks, that's it for me tonight. Thank you for watching. As always, I greatly appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind liking, sharing, subscribing, and doing all of that, it definitely makes a difference. Please do that for me. Stop by and see if there's a couple shirts you like at donutfriendme.com. And last but not least, if you would not mind, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Veterans are in need of your help. 22 commit suicide a day. Please reach out to a vet if you haven't spoken to one recently. If you can't, call me. I will help you. There's plenty of veterans on the line live who can also help you. If you wouldn't mind, lastly, if that doesn't work, you can always send them to don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link and get there free of charge. It's 100% anonymous. It's free. And even civilians can call, not just veterans. Folks, thank you for joining me for tonight's episode 246. I'll be back tomorrow for 247. It's election night special coverage. I'm going to ask my boss if I can get off, and I'll probably start doing it around 5 o'clock, and we will go through the night until we find out who is winning or who is counting incorrectly or all that wonderful drama. We did it last year. It was fun. We'll do it again. See you tomorrow. God bless my live audience. Stay on. I will be right back to answer all your questions.